Hey everybody, it's Josh Rutledge, your co-host for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us more, please head over to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. There you can click on store and browse some really awesome t-shirts and maybe pick a couple up, or even go to our Patreon page and see how you can support us monthly. We love bringing you awesome content just as much as you like listening to it. Enjoy the show. The following program is presented for entertainment purposes. WCHQ does not necessarily endorse the ideas presented. Fearscape is a program that explores the legends and lore around many creepy and scary things. Information is researched and presented in an entertainment fashion and is presented based off of what we found. Legends have a way of changing over time, so... Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Fearscape FM here on 100.9 FM WCHQ, home for all of your spooky stuff and all that jazz. I'm joined here today with a different co-host than normal. Brad McQuarrie is out on some personal uh, time, taking off, spending time with the fam and all that jazz. And so I said, if I need somebody, might as well pull in my good buddy, Mr. Ed Black. Yeah, it's me, guys. I'm here. So uh, go ahead and just push stop whatever you're listening to so you don't have to listen to them anymore. Fearscape FM right here on WCHQ <laughs> 100.9. You're home for all things spooky, kooky, and ooky. And local stuff, yeah. Uh, no, thank you, Ed, for uh, taking over for Brad. Uh, I know it's some big shoes to fill, mostly because he wears a bigger size than you. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate you wearing his clothes and everything. I can't get these things on. <laughs> uh, but Ed is joining me for this episode, and uh, we are going to be uh, going through our uh, Haunted County series once again. We're going to be touching on uh, a really cool county, Barron County. See, this is a really nice one for me because I don't hear of uh, the hauntings or legends that take place in other cities very much. So, mm, yeah. I, I like listening to this. This is great. Yeah, Barron County is home to Glasgow, which is a great city. Um, the uh, the Scottish games are there every year. Even Sean Connery shows up there, and they throw in logs and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, Glasgow, Kentucky. That's where uh, Joan Osborne came from, right? I don't know. I think so. I thought she was from Louisville, so I don't know. <laughs> no, no, she's not Louisville. She's she's Kentucky native. Oh, okay. Louisville. Well, you know, what if she was one of us? That's all <laughs> I want to know. Uh, but no, we're going to be going over Barron County. And let me tell you, dude, I, you know, sometimes I do a county and I, I, like, I get as much as possible and I'm like just scratching the surface trying to get enough. However, Barron County is loaded there were so many stories like that there's even a uh, facebook group called urban legends of Barron county like they're they are riddled with legends and stories and it's insane the amount of material i could probably do a three-part episode on this <laughs> you might have to with brad being gone this i know time. <laughs> i know um they even because they touch into mammoth cave uh national park that they've even got some mammoth cave stories but since we just did the mammoth cave episode last week i'm not going to touch those although, stories <laughs> although what do you what do you th- think of the pictures the pictures were crazy i told everybody there it's it, if you look on the uh wchq facebook 
Facebook page and you find that link uh, or the post about it, you'll see those pictures that Ed took that are spooky, man. Just those absolutely are spooky. those are actual pictures that came from Mammoth uh, Mammoth Cave. Uh, one is the actual picture, and then the other right next to it is just a brightened and enhanced version of that yeah. photo. And yeah, it's it's either some Native American or some miner. I don't know. I thought it was a miner at first, but then once Ed pointed out that it, you could see the headdress and stuff, man, you really start to see it. Yeah. And it's really insane. I highly recommend checking that out. Uh, we've got some great sources that we're working from today. Uh, as usual, our good favorite book of all time, Ghosts Across Kentucky by William Linwood Montell, uh, as well as Urban Legends of Baron.wordpress.com. Uh, KentuckyBigfoot.com, which is always a fave. And I believe one more here. Oh, we've got the Burlington Evening Gazette, uh, as well as... Stefan puts in a whole lot of research on this. I do. Hopkinsville, really the Hops- Hopkinsville, Kentucky, and some of these are old newspapers. And uh, so we've got we've got some stuff, man. So uh, b- before we even get into this, though, let's get into a little bit of creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Y'all, it's creepy. So, those of you guys that listen, you know Creepy Ketchup. This is where we uh, let the viewers, or the, excuse me, the listeners know uh, if anything creepy's happened to us since the last time we recorded. And uh, I don't know about you, Ed, but I've had a creepy week. Have you? <laughs> I have had a creepy week. Well, I'm glad you have because, you know, the creepiest it got were, you know, some of the people who came in from out of town for Derby. <laughs> yeah, so. that's super. Well, yeah, there's that too. Gosh, I didn't even think about that. Ghost of Derby, that's a good episode for next year. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I just. Like I've had a ton of nightmares the last couple days. I've I've dreamt really? about like so in one I dreamt about uh, I was in the school and it was flooding and the school was flooding and I'm trying to like save all these kids and there's all these like anacondas and alligators floating around in this water like eating people and all kinds of crazy stuff. And by the way, not scared of alligators, not scared of snakes. Like so now wow. I'm kind of surprised why. I was dreaming about this because that's not something that frightens me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was frightened because I, this thing's trying to eat me, which I would be scared of, but not snakes in general. But, but I mean, but you're, you're, you're telling me, though, that you consider yourself a non-macho guy, but yet you have no problem whatsoever when it comes to snakes. And no, I will tell you why. <laughs> so snakes, my uncle, my, my Uncle Bill was the old thrasher of the day. I mean, he's always been Slayer, heavy metal, like everything, and he always wow. had snakes. Uh, growing up, we had a snake. His name was Carcass, and he was a seven-foot Burmese <laughs> python. Raised him from a baby. So I kind of was always around snakes. Snakes don't bother me at all. Alligators, they don't bother me either. I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to be... I, here's the thing. I love lions. They don't scare me, but if I was right up next to one, yes, I'm going to freak out, right? You I, know? Think, I think, you know, if you're going to the zoo, and you're just like, at, you know, they're looking at a lion... Sure. Sure. You're not going to feel much fear. Right. But if you're dropped into the cage sure. with the lion, it's but like, like, yeah, you're going to be a little for scared. Example, cockroaches and spiders scare the ever-living crap out of me. <laughs> and so even looking at them at the zoo freaks me out. Right? Like, yeah. I'm like, or a shark, same thing. I'm like, you know, <laughs> but like, yeah, snakes not going to bother me. But Although I've never seen a shark up close. I've never been like, you know. 
I guess, that close to the ocean to where I would ever oh, yeah. see I've a never, shark up front. I've never seen one up close either. My wife is absolutely frightened of all sea life. And uh, when we went to uh, Mexico for our honeymoon, uh, we're snorkeling, which scares her already. But we're snorkeling in kind of like one of those mixes of freshwater and seawater areas. So there's no, they have a big net, so no big fish come in there. Right. But there's a stingray down there. And I'm like, I come up and I'm like, ah, oh, stingray. She's like, we're leaving now. <laughs> Go now. And she like grabs me and swims to shore. And I'm like, it's 10 feet down. Like, it's well, I mean, a stingray. the stingray is what killed the uh, crocodile hunter. Yeah, right? but a different kind. Kind of stingray, <laughs> and he was messing with it. Leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> leave him alone. Leave so, Steve Irwin alone. But not only that, I had another dream where uh, zombies had taken over the world, and a lot of us were hiding out. And um, I had to give the speech, which, by the way, if you know me, I don't <laughs> care about that stuff. But in it, like, I had this gum that I could not remove from my mouth, and every time <laughs> I would like reach in to pull more gum out, teeth would come out. And it's so funny because I've never had a teeth dream before. Like, oh. so I don't know. Something's up with that. You, have you ever looked into dream analysis about I that? I do all the time. Dreammoods.com is my jam. Uh, I love those. And, you know, and it says all this stuff. And I guess I'm like, okay, I guess there's some stuff I'm worried about that I'm afraid to say. Or, you know, I'm. Uh, it's just that I've had I've had the zombie dream like a couple times. Oh, I've times. had zombie dreams a bazillion times. I love zombie <laughs> dreams. I don't, I don't like the zombie dream. because oh, I do. Because it, it's, it's usually... Because you know you because usually in like uh, in like a zombie dream it's like uh, you know Walking Dead. I mean you know, mm-hmm. you're just uh, you're just always always on the run, and then right when you wake up is that point where you're actually cornered and the zombie is getting ready to you know to, to, to bite into you. <laughs> yeah, that's when you wake up. Yeah, we could man, uh, we ought to have an episode one time just you and I talking about dreams sometime. Actually, I need to. Uh, it didn't happen this week, so I don't know if this qualifies. for It dream. qualifies for you. Okay. Well, then let me <laughs> let me tell you about uh, about a dream that I, that I did have. Okay. This is just like a few weeks ago. Uh, it was an, it, it was a home invasion dream. It was like I came I came home late one night and I go into the bathroom to you know do my business and uh, I look in the mirror and there's like a dude who's standing behind our door mm. nope. and then he realizes that I've seen him so he he grabs me and like throws me into the top has has his hands <laughs> like like around my neck right and you know and I and and I, I won't I got myself to wake up from this but it's left me like so paranoid ever oh, since yeah, it's like every sure. time i go into the bathroom i'm always checking behind that door to see if that dude is there mm-hmm. especially if you know especially if i have just gotten home or something i'm always like going back there and checking the door yep well the last thing i have for creepy ketchup is listeners are very aware uh, i've talked about this quite a bit that one of the things that happens to me all the time is that i hear my name called uh constantly yes. daily well uh, a couple days ago it happened a lot like uh, where I work in Portland is this very very old building and like that day like nobody was in like it, it was basically like me and one other person and like I just kept hearing my name and I'm like uh, what hello yeah what's up she's like I didn't say anything like this happened 
a ton. And then I kept like seeing things out of the corner of my eye that I can't justify movement. Oh, so maybe it's a car reflection. I don't know. I can be a skeptic here, but it was more than usual. Like usually it's like once or twice a day at max, right? But you always hear your name being my it's name. Like, no, that's I'm I'm out for constantly. That. <laughs> and like I am and, out. And, and I've tried to find online to see if there is a phenomenon that's named for that. There isn't. But I know it's a thing because I know other people's like, yeah, I hear my name. I now granted the number seven sounds like Stefan, heaven, you know, those things, sure. Maybe I can count that, but a lot of times it's like, hey, Stefan. Like, I mean, I hear that. And it's not in a uh, there, there's schizophrenic. A sometimes. Yeah. And so it's not in a schizophrenic because it's not like, kill your mother. <laughs> like, no, it's just like, Stefan. You know, and I'm like, yeah. Yo, Stefan. And nobody's there. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. Uh, anyways, I don't want to dig deep into that because we got more stuff to cover, but that was creepy ketchup. All right, I'm going to move straight in because I've got a big, huge story to cover for uh, Spooky News. So we're going to jump right into Spooky News. Spooky News. So this is huge. Uh, we're... This is really, really, really big news on the UFO front. Okay. Uh, the Navy has come out recently with some information. The uh, the Pentagon and everything. Uh, they say that they are creating a new document to document UFO sightings, but keep them uh, confidential. Uh, in fact, the, the news article that I've got here from Live Science, this has been all I saw this on CNN as well. Uh, extraterrestrials take note. The U.S. Navy plans to set up an official reporting and investigative system that will monitor reports from its pilots about unidentified flying objects. But while this X-Files worthy operation sounds newsy, don't expect to hear details about it anytime soon because the Navy doesn't intend to make the data public, citing the privileged and classified information that these reports usually include. Military aviation safety organizations always retain reporting of hazards to aviation as privileged information in order to preserve the free and honest prioritization and discussion of safety among crew. This came from Joe Gratisher, a spokesman for the Office of the Deputy Chief of Naval Operations for Information Warfare. So any information that they happen to, to gain about UFO activity. Yeah, basically this is going to be this is going to be swept under the rug, covered up from public view. So it's No, not necessarily. That what they came out and said and um I've I've uh, verified this with some friends that are in the Navy because they're getting hit hard right now about it. So is the Pentagon. Is they've come out and they've basically said, "Listen, we acknowledge the existence of UFOs." Just and they, but they're saying don't call them UFOs. That's their big thing, so they don't sound wacky. <laughs> but they're basically saying, look, we acknowledge that there are things that we don't know what's out there. Our pilots are seeing them. You're seeing seeing them. We are going to take an active look into them. And there's even talk that this is the reason why the space force was being created. Uh, that, you know, even though it sounds very Trumpian and silly, that it was already something that was being planned so that they could kind of get ahead of this just in case those things are extraterrestrial, that the Space Force will indeed be on the front line of that if that happens. Now, that's that's a little more conspiracy part on the end, but I've, I've read a lot of articles that talk that the timing of these two things are too coincidental. Yeah, I would say so. Yep. 
Especially the whole thing about, you know, don't call them UFOs. We, we know they're little green guys. Don't call them that. Yeah. Don't call them little green men. They, they prefer to be called uh, earthly impaired. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so very interesting. Do some research. This is a short version of all of that. There are a ton of articles on every news source from Washington Post to CNN to Fox News to everywhere that is covering this. Uh, you can just look up the Navy or the Pentagon. Both have come out um, acknowledging this and uh, taking a real approach to uh, it's almost like the 50s all over again. They're taking an, uh, a real honest approach to uh, gathering data. Uh, so that's that's exciting. Wow. <laughs> so exciting. Nice. Okay, so the Navy is getting hit hard with this. Yep. And they they, they do want to keep it covered up. So this is basically... Uh, it's not necessarily covered another up. Another Roswell sort of kind thing. Kind of. It's just they don't want... They don't want to make it public, the information that they're gathered, because they don't want people to be harassed or, or things like that. And And, you know, I get it because... Let's be honest. It's the military. They want to use. They want to use it for research for military reasons. I mean, you don't want to put those cards on the table for Russia to see or China or I, whatever. I just thought it was how our government usually behaves, which is it we know is. this is going on, but we're going to cover it up. But not them let the coming know. out and saying it is what makes it interesting and unique. Like them coming to the table and saying, "Hey, this is what we're doing. This isn't some shadow organization. This is the U.S. Navy." We are actively looking into this. It's huge. Wow. It's huge news. Anyways, let's move on. Okay. That's spooky news. <laughs> so I don't mean to cut it, but we got a lot. I told you we could do five episodes of Barron County. <laughs> <laughs> Barron County is apparently the most haunted place in Kentucky. Barron County. Barron County. Home is- of many Barren things. <laughs> Where is Barron County located at, Stefan? Uh, it's uh, down south, close to Bowling Green, kind of, um, I believe it's uh, northeast of uh, Bowling Green. So that's Warren. I, is, is that Warren County? Yeah, Warren County. I, I should know. I went there uh, for school. Um, but yeah, let me give you... So you, you've actually gone through Barron County. Before. I have. I've been through Barron County a million times. Cave City, I believe, is in Was Barron there anything County. weird and unusual that happened to you in Barron County when you passed through? No. no. Uh, so Barron County is a county located uh, in Kentucky, of course. Uh, it is the... Or excuse me. Its county seat is Glasgow, which we talked about. The county was founded on December 20th, 1798 from parts of Warren County and Greene County. It was named for the Barrens, metal lands that cover the north Northern third, though actually the soil is very, very fertile. How did that, how did I not see that coming? That it was named after barons. I mean, yeah, it's well, there. I yeah, there's there's no barons. Kentucky barons. Yep. Uh, but yeah, like I said, Glasgow's super cool. There's there's a lot of stuff. Uh, cave cities there. I mean, if you've ever gone to Mammoth Cave and gone to Cave City, that's the jam, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've only actually been to Mammoth Cave once, but. Yeah. You know, that was years ago, years yep. ago. Uh, but yeah, let's get into our first story. Yeah. Our first story is one that was brought to me by, um, I believe, from the guys at the Kentucky Hauntings. It's a Facebook group. Uh, and this one comes from the Burlington Evening Gazette, uh, Friday, April 7th, 1905. So this is a news article from that. It says, Haunted until day of death. Ghost of woman whom man had murdered continuously with him. Milton Bledsoe, an old man, is dead. 
Several years ago, he killed a woman at Burksville and was given a life sentence. Through the influence of friends, he secured a parole on condition that he leave the state and not return. He located in Tennessee, but later came to this place, claiming that he was only on a visit. He was reported to the prison officials, but at the time he was sick with little hope of recovery and was allowed to remain unmolested. Before he killed the woman referred to above, he was a preacher of note and known up and down the Cumberland River. A day or two before his death, he told his attendants that the woman whom he had killed was constantly before him, saying she had come to see him die. When the end came, he begged those who were in the room not to let his victim hurt him and died a most horrible death. If there ever was any doubt of the existence of haunts or ghosts in the minds of the population of this town, it has been dispelled. It also proves conclusively to them that people can return from the other world. No one will have anything to do with his belongings, and they go to the trash pile. Woo! <laughs> I mean, they just said, nah, brah. <laughs> Your stuff's going in the garbage. Like, they didn't even want to touch it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, so in in that story, they said that the, the, the prison system was nice enough to allow... Uh, him to not be molested while he was yes <laughs> while he was incarcerated that's that's very considerate it was yeah. very very considerate that's very nice of you guys to do that yeah <laughs> uh it just goes to show man like i i love i love reading these old news articles from the late 1800s and early 1900s cuz they're ridiculous now what what year was that from 1905, 1905. and here's the thing it made news in iowa like, wow. this thing that happened in Barron County, Kentucky, made news in Iowa. What, was there nothing going on in Iowa that I, week? I think, like, you know, and that's the thing is that the guy, I guess it's interesting because, you know, he claimed that the woman he murdered was haunting him. To, like, saying, I've come to watch you die. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my All right. Gosh. So the next one we've got, uh, this one comes from the Ghosts Across Kentucky book. Uh, it is the, I believe it is called The House That Wasn't. One night, there were about 20 to 25 of us sitting around there in Glasgow. We were all bored stiff, so someone said, let's all go out in the country. Naturally, since some of the guys were drinking, they wanted to get out of Glasgow. I know Barron County pretty well, but I don't know where we went to that night. All I know is we were in a big grassy field up on a high hill. There was a cemetery nearby in a small clump of trees. We all got out of our cars and started walking up around the hill. There were some trees over on another hill and about 10 of us were looking over that way when someone noticed what appeared to be a house. It took a minute or so, but it looked as if the moon was shining right down into those trees and onto a little wooden house. Someone suggested that we walk over there and look things over. We thought it pretty weird because there wasn't really any road to get to the place. As we got closer, it looked like the trees were in a big circle around the house. But as we got to the edge of the trees, the house was gone. I know it was there. Everyone saw it, and not everyone was drinking. I don't know where it went or what happened. All I know is it truly was there. And we all saw it. Ghost house! A ghost house. A real <laughs> actual ghost. Not just a house inhabited by ghosts. Yeah. An actual ghost house. Yep. 
something that was there a minute ago, <laughs> but then disappears like a mirage in the desert. Yep. I mean, do, do, can mirages appear in the country? I mean, is that a thing? I, I mean, a collective mirage, though? <laughs> Maybe. I, mean, has, I don't know. I've never been into the desert myself, so I don't I've know I've been how. in the desert. Basically, I don't know if there's a kind of like shared delirium when it comes yeah, to Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I live mirages in the desert. Or anything, but I don't know. The, the only mirage I can ever think of is when you're thirsty and it's hot outside and you can see what looks like water on the road, yeah. down the road. And I think that's where the idea of the mirage came from the oasis because they thought that they saw water in the distance that sort of wavy looking yeah line like when i was a road. kid i kept i kept thinking man i'm almost there is almost water is no <laughs> it's not it's just heat bro <laughs> but that's that i mean this is something that's something that really like fascinates me is this whole thing of we all seem i mean we talked about this before with night mm-hmm. hacks and stuff like that we all have this kind of like these shared delusions yeah that we that apparently date back through eons of history it's not just happening to people just in modern day i mean this has happened since beginning of human existence yeah we all have these kind of like shared deliriums so i'm kind of wondering if that if that's sort of part of it if that if that was an instance of a group shared delusion yeah i don't know what's interesting about uh william montel's book is that he writes all this in the vernacular they spoke it to him. You know, he doesn't change it up. He doesn't try to uh, fix the English or fix the grammar. So he lets it be raw. And so, like, you really get to hear these stories that he talked to people about, like, raw, like, from first person. And, you know, it's super interesting to hear that guy. I mean, you could hear that, like, my the very end, you know, where he's just like, not even everybody was drinking. <laughs> you know, it's good stuff, man. And then there, there's your own things that you can add to it, like, you know, stuttering and sputtering and stammering. Sure. Skipping over words. Sure, Because they don't make sense. Uh, the, the next one is a pretty famous, I actually found a number of stories about this. Uh, even in uh, the, the Ghosts Across Kentucky book, there's a couple different stories about this. But the Headless Woman of Keno. Ooh, I is, love headless women. This <laughs> There's a ton of different stories on her, and you know, in a lot of things I looked up, she was in like the top three like legends of that area. So here's one uh, from the book. It was a summer day around 1962 in the small farming community of Keno, located east of Glasgow. Willie Bunch was walking home after spending the night with his friend Fred Duggard. He was carrying a rooster that he had bought from his grandfather for a grand total of 25 cents. It was a damp, wet day and getting near lunchtime. Just off the old dirt road that Bunch was walking on, a tree had blown down, and he sat down to roll himself a smoke. While he was getting his tobacco out of his pocket, he looked up and there, about 12 feet away, stood a woman with no head. I looked at the bottom of her feet to the top of what would have been her head, but I really couldn't see what it was or who it was, Bunch stated. This woman was dressed all in white. The gown that Bunch later assumed to be a wedding gown trailed along far behind the old woman. He watched her for a few minutes, not believing his own eyes, while the old woman picked up some firewood. While trying to get away from the ghostly woman, he grabbed his rooster by the neck and set it by the feet and choked the poor creature to death. Why, its neck was two feet long, Bunch said. So he just threw the rooster down when he saw what he had done and went on home. Another incident involving the old headless woman occurred to the Bunch family on their way back from church one Sunday. They were all riding in a horse-drawn wagon and were traveling along a dirt road on which... 
Willie Bunch had previously seen the headless being. As father neared the old Scott place, as it was called back then, Bunch's grandfather heard a horse galloping and snorting from behind. He turned around but didn't see a horse. All he saw was the old woman with no head crawling into the back of the wagon with them. He sat in the back end of the wagon until they got to the Scott farm. There the headless creature got off, walked toward the farm, and disappeared from sight. Bunch's wife, Lou Vianen, also saw her that time. Bunch also claimed that the headless woman was responsible for planting a field full of flowers. Well, I guess that field had an acre or more of flowers, Bunch claimed. They were the prettiest things I ever saw, and I'm being honest, he said. All total, Bunch saw the old woman with no head four or five times, but he wasn't the only one to ever see her. According to his grandfather, one day the old woman suddenly appeared on the back of his horse. She then dismounted as they neared the Scott farm. Willie Bunch's eldest son, Lee, also saw the old woman. That was at his grandmother's house where the woman with no head was walking down the stairs. Lee said that he counted every step that she took as she came down the steps and went on out the house. This time, she was dressed in a long black dress and was carrying an umbrella, but she still didn't have no head. That old headless woman was always almost seen in the same area, gathering firewood or going to the Scott farm. Every time that bunch saw her, it was still daylight and was usually wet outside, as if it had just rained the day before. He heard that someone had cut off a preacher's head in the area. Bunch didn't know whether or not the preacher had anything to do with the old woman, or if seeing her was just a coincidence. Nonetheless, that was the only reason he could give as to why there was an old woman with no head lurking in the woods around Kino. Have you ever seen a headless woman? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I mean, ever, on TV. Have you ever seen a headless man, like, after it's rained? And... <laughs> <laughs> after it's rained. <laughs> there I was. <laughs> it was 1995. <laughs> it, it's, it's how... How scary does a rain back in that day have to be? It's like, oh, no, it's raining. That woman's going to show up tomorrow. Oh, uh, no, Bunch talked about this. <laughs> well, and it's not just the Bunch family. Like I said, there's two or three other stories in this book, as well as other stories from people that have seen uh, the headless woman of Kino. Apparently, it is still something that people claim to see. Now, why why did he why did he wring the neck of the rooster? Because he got scared. He got. So he was trying. He was. He was trying to run, and he got scared. He just snatched up his rooster, grabbed it by the neck, and was so scared he squeezed it to death. Oh, okay. Because I, I thought he was. He was. You know, attempting to give the woman a head. <laughs> Here, have a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, another one of the big uh, stories that, in in fact, what led me to Barron County was people talked about the Slash Monster. The um, Slash Monster? The Slash Monster. Now, it's named for Slash Bridge, so don't get excited. It's named after somebody Okay, I thought that was like the next big blockbuster yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, you'd think. Monster creature think. feature coming. Uh, but the, the, the interesting thing about Slash Bridge is it's known for more than just the Slash Monster. It's got a few different hauntings. So I'm going to run you through some of the hauntings, the lore, as well as the Slash Monster. Um, it's really interesting. <laughs> so uh, this one comes from urbanlegendsofbaron.wordpress.com. This is a blog. And, uh, man, they did a really great job. Uh, so he says, 
The first story I remember hearing of the Slash Bridge haunting was of a headless horseman that rode downstream on the creek toward the bridge, carrying various items including an axe and a satchel which probably contained his head or the head of some other unfortunate soul. It was said that if you stopped on the bridge and turned your car off, you could hear the horse's hooves on the rocks as it rode down the creek bed. Some anxious teens have even claimed to have seen sparks from the horse's hooves on the rocks. The second story I oh, heard. Hold on, hold on. That's that's out of Washington Irving. Come uh, on, you dude, cannot... Kentucky has. You have no idea. Kentucky has so many headless horsemen <laughs> and headless people stories more than any uh, any. Because we looked into it, it has like a million. It's like this should be where. Sleepy Hollow took place because there are so it's like every county has a headless like There's so many beheading but still that story is right out of Washington Irving yeah, I know even with like the going over the bridge and I, all know. That, that's, I that's, know that's not <laughs> that's the legend of Sleepy Hollow you come think, on you'd think you'd think no plagiarizing or is the legend of Sleepy Hollow based off of the legend of Ooh. Slash Bridge <laughs> Ooh, well yeah I guess that's a way to turn it turn around isn't it <laughs> yep the second story I heard connected to Slash Bridge goes back into the early 1800s. Near the bridge on the northwest side of the creek was the home of a wealthy local man who owned several slaves. One night, a young black man got angry with his master and took the master's young daughter to the bridge and cut her head off with an axe, then threw her body into the water. If you stopped on the bridge at night, you could hear the sound of the axe hitting the chopping block and then a loud splash as though something had been thrown in the water. So once again, headless, like, and this isn't even in Kino. And like stopping on the bridge and hearing sounds of like, you know, you can hear the sounds of the, the hooves from the horse. You can hear the sound of an axe coming down on a woman's neck. <laughs> I mean, you're just like, you got so much going on while you're, and I'm not even done. You haven't even seen anything. You're just hearing things. It's like, right. oh man, I need to get out of this place. So uh, he continues on. He says, Brave young Somebody's calling my name. <laughs> Shit. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Brave young boys with a little fortification from a few beers or some encouragement from buddies during a rousing round of truth or dare would be sent out into the wooded area surrounding the creek to hunt down the origin of the noises. An old well house was discovered on the creek several yards away from the bridge, and the flapping noise, somewhat like an axe on wood, came from an old well pump in the house. Skeptics, Ooh. take it and Blow it up. That's what they do. Uh, here's, a, here's the last bit of the Slash Bridge. Okay. Sometime in the 1990s, there was a really bad summer storm that caused flash flooding in the area. Around the Beaver Creek crossing on Old Munfordville Road, the land sits very low and water will come over the road for a brief period of time. It was claimed a young lady drove onto the bridge unaware of the flooding until it was too late. Her car was supposedly swept over the side into the creek. The young ones today claim that people have caught sight of her walking down the side of the road in a white sun. And with no head, right? Oh, no, not this one. (laughs) But, you know, uh, I got to tell you, because it sort of relates to that. Your real life? Um, (laughs) No, actually... (laughs) <laughs> no, I, actually, this 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 can't well, this can pertain to real life, but it it's it's more about some of the movies that, that we watch. Uh, <laughs> old girlfriend, right? We went to see two movies that almost came out around about the same time: mm-hmm. uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the you know the remake, yep. and Gothica. Do you remember Gothica? Yeah, with uh, uh, Holly Berry. Yeah, and Robert Downey Jr. Now, do you remember how both movies started? 
When it rainstorm. Well, not 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 exactly. Both movies kind of. Oh yeah, there's no rainstorm in Texas. (laughs) No, sorry. No, exactly. Well, both movies start out with a a, a young white blonde woman (laughs) being found on the side of the road, apparently in some form of distress, and people stopping to pick her up. Now we had gone to see both these movies almost back to back. Mm And I turned to her after I think it was Gothica we'd seen, we'd seen. I was like, "Okay, so what lesson have we learned from both of these movies? If you're driving down the road and on the side of the road you see a white girl who looks like she's in trouble, <laughs> Go. keep going." Yeah, keep Brad going. and I talked about that because of course white woman like white woman in a white dress is constant as well. Um, not just in Kentucky, but everywhere. And yeah, we're saying the same thing. You see her? Go. Just, yeah, just, just keep go. driving. Just keep driving. You pick her up, she's going to mess your life up. Yep. And so you'll, just keep we'll going. be interviewing you on the show if you stay alive. <laughs> uh, but this all leads to the Slash Monster. Okay. Okay, so the Slash Monster is considered... The Slash Monster. ...is uh, for the most part considered to be a Sasquatch-type urban legend in Barron County. It's, uh, you know, along the lines, no one wants to call it a Bigfoot, so it kind of fits into that <laughs> Of the wild man of Kentucky or the hillbilly bees, some of these other creatures that are more than likely Sasquatch. <laughs> Is it the government not wa- not wanting no, to call? No, I think it's just if you just say Sasquatch, you can't say, "Hey, check out, we got the Slash Monster." You know, you can't build we, a museum. We know about them UFOs, but we ain't calling them UFOs now. But we're right. Oh, this Bigfoot that we ain't calling them real Bigfoot. But uh, what's interesting is a lot of people talk about the Slash Monster, but it didn't actually find any stories about the Slash Monster. Everybody just knows about the Slash Monster, right? So uh, uh, on that Urban Legends website I was telling you about, this guy thinks he's he's found out what it was. And so this this is more of a, a debunking story, so to speak. Okay. But uh, it's still interesting because it kind of tells you why. Uh, so uh, he says, Among some of the stories I have not featured yet is one I'm going to entitle The Truth Behind the Slash Monster, and it's datelined 1949. Stories grew up around the murder of barber Cloyd Cook in the barbershop at the Spotswood Hotel. Mr. Cook was the father of Eska Cook Wilson, aunt of the late Joel Wilson of the Glasgow Daily Times. Convicted of the murder was a man who stood well over six feet tall. Suffering from mental problems most of his life, he didn't take criticism or teasing very well. Cook made an offhand comment about the haircut of one of the other barbers, Mr. Furlong, had given the man. The man went home to retrieve his gun and returned to Bot's wood and the rest is history. Later in his life, the troubled man lived in a small house out the old Mumfordville Road, Lexington Drive, not far from the Slash Bridge there over Beaver Creek. People would catch glimpses of the wild man lurking in the trees and bushes in the tall grass and mistake him for some kind of Bigfoot monster, as he went barefoot most of the time. People also found large footprints in the dried mud, and those who knew who it was steered far away from him. Some of the generation preceding me worked with him there in the fields as teenagers and said the man never really spoke to them and was a hard worker, but the spooky stories of his lurking in the shadows was how the Slash Monster came into existence. So we're hearing about Wild Man again. Right. Yeah. yeah the, the Wild Man of Kentucky, because you all had talked about that on the, the, the Pope. Yeah, Lake it's episode, a very right? similar episode. It's not the same thing that was in a different area of the of the state, but this is a very similar story. 
You know, it's a guy that's kind of on his own that they don't really know. He's barefoot. Uh, You know, the wild man was, he was always (laughs) naked. That was his thing. (laughs) As most wild men are. (laughs) Like, that's what I imagine he sounds like. Uh, But yeah, it's interesting that the Slash Monster, you know, is based off a guy. And here's what's interesting, too. the the guy on Kentucky Hauntings, a uh, great resource by the way. He's he's been really great. Um, he sent me, I swear, like fifty articles that he found on this murder, not on the slash monster, but on the murder. I mean, it made wow. national news. It was everywhere. I mean, I have so many clips of actual news stories from all over the country that talk about this murder. Uh, and that's why you could do a three a three parter episode on this. Yeah, like I mean, it was insane. I mean, they all basically say he's the not going to do it, but he could. Yeah, he's not. You know, he, he basically it all says the same thing, but it, it's crazy. It made national news. Um, but well, the, I mean, it's crazy that you mentioned Wild Man of Kentucky again. I know. It's like this guy is apparently morphing into all sorts of like different yeah oh so he's the same guy so he's he's the hillbilly beast he's the wild man of kentucky he's a, the he's, public monster he's the public he's, he's the kentucky foot. goblin he's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just this one guy who's just sort of he's, he's sort of known all throughout the state by different names but it's all just naked wild man well if he's still out there uh, anyways the reason i wanted to put that in that order is because uh Kentucky uh, Bigfoot.com, uh, which is a, it's literally one of the best Bigfoot sites in the country. Um, Kentucky has you would think that most of the Bigfoot sightings would take place in Washington or Oregon because of all the movies and things we've seen. They are always out there. I would think more, more kind of like wooded. Sort yeah, of but Kentucky has so many Bigfoot sightings. It's insane. Like so many i mean we did that episode where i did a 30 minute story of this guy's like they're everywhere all over kentucky i mean louisville has sightings i mean they're everywhere and they've been dating back a long time i talk about when i used to go to campbellsville university we found an old news article from 1898 where uh out at where green river lake is that area there were two sightings within that year of yeti because they wasn't called Bigfoot back then. Yeti was the only thing people knew. And there were two sightings of Yeti within like six months of each other. Now, where, where, where do you fall on the Yeti Bigfoot Oh, thing? I totally Would... believe in Bigfoot. See, I just don't. I, I totally do. I'm a total non-believer in that. It's like, again, it's one of those things I'm going to have to see it to believe it. Dude, here, here's, why, here's what I'm going to say. People are like, oh, well, they're not. They're, they're, they, they're here on Earth, so we got to see them all the time. No, listen, my roommate Paul is a hermit. He's in his room all the time. People have not seen him in three years. That's why the man is a legend. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I'm talking about. He, he, if he's not at work, like you don't see him. And so pretty much everybody else besides that small group of people and me that have seen him know he exists. I think he and Rachel would get along pretty well if they ever you know, got out sure, of the house. Sure, absolutely. Don't let them meet because then we'd lose our friend and you'd lose you know, your lady. But no, yeah, I'm just joking. Um, but yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it's just like... Uh, you don't want to be seen. You're an animal. You're gonna you're gonna hide. And I don't think there's tons of them. I don't think it's it's tons. But I mean, it's like, do we see every deer in the woods? No, no. Grant, but I mean, there's a crap ton of them, right? And we know that, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, who knows? I don't Cause know because they, they always come out on our front lawn, like at night. We. Yeah, we see some of them. We see some of them. Yeah, <laughs> we see some. Um, of them. But so I've got two stories from t- KentuckyBigfoot.com because these came from Barron County. So the first one is uh, by I, I, I just named it Arthur. I don't I don't know. 
Arthur was helping his family cut wood deep in the forest behind his home. As he was driving to the location with his grandfather on a dirt road, Arthur sees a six to seven foot tall hairy creature standing on the right side of the road directly in front of him at approximately 75 yards. It appeared to be looking at the truck, then it turned and ran across the road into the woods. It ran hunched over and was covered in black hair. Its arms hung long by its side as it ran. Arthur recalls seeing more hair around the face and could barely make out the eyes and mouth. The hair on the creature was described as being shaggy. Excited, Arthur yelled to his grandfather, Look! Look! But the grandfather looked to his right and to his left, thinking it was in the woods next to him, not directly down the path. By the time the grandfather looked straight ahead, he caught a glimpse of it entering into the woods. The grandfather agreed that it was six to seven foot tall, hunched over, and it was covered in black hair. I found Arthur and his grandfather to be very sincere and credible. This location had had multiple eyewitness accounts over the years, with the highlight being an elderly woman who frequently fed a Bigfoot in the backyard. Many neighbors we spoke with knew about this possible habituation. Unfortunately, the elderly woman passed away a few years ago. Dun, dun, dun. What they didn't say is that the Bigfoot ate her face. (laughs) I want to eat your face. (laughs) What's interesting is so the next story is is about an old woman. So I don't know if they're connected uh, or what. Although I got to say about the she's feeding Bigfoot in her backyard. Right. Uh, That is something an old lady would totally do. (laughs) Totally. Um, Sasquatch, I got some kibble for you. Yep. So, but this one is called Mammal. Mammal. Mammal, my mother-in-law, is 87 years old. She is a devoted Christian who is heavily involved in her church. She never watches TV because she never has the time. She is as smart as a tack and absolutely loves conversation. She prides herself on repeating stories she's heard, and it doesn't matter how many times you hear the same story, every single detail remains firmly in place. Now, let me remind you, Mammal is not a believer in Bigfoot. As a matter of fact, she feels I'm wasting my time chasing something that can't possibly exist. One day, Mammal begins to tell us about the old Hope House, which is located in Summershade, Kentucky, in Barron County. She said, well, you know, the old Hope House is haunted. And I said, what do you mean, Mammal? She said, well, when I was just a little girl, my Aunt Paige stayed alone one night while her husband worked the night shift. Now, this old Hope House ain't nothing but an old shack way back in the woods. It doesn't even have a lock on the door. And I replied, no lock? Nope, said Mamma. Just a latch on the front door. And I said, Mamma, what happened? Mamma replied, Aunt Paige saw a ghost. It was about midnight, and as she laid in the bed, she saw a big, dark, hairy figure standing in the doorway to her bedroom. She said she closed her eyes tight, pulled the covers up to her neck, and she froze stiff as a board. Then it walked up to her and rubbed its big, hairy hand across her face. By the time she opened her eyes a few minutes later, it had vanished. And I said, Mamma, that doesn't sound like a ghost to me. You know what that sounds like to me, don't you? She said, what? 
I said, a Bigfoot, mamma. Ghosts aren't usually hairy. Bigfoots have been known to enter cabins, especially in old shack way back in the woods. Plus, they are known to be more attracted to the females. I believe that that could have been a Bigfoot. Now, mamma, she shook her head, frowned, and replied, no. It was a haunted, I tell you, haunted. Now, the Hope House got its name from Mrs. Hope, who originally owned the cabin, and Mamma thinks that this occurred when she was about 11 years old. Is she sure that it was his hand? Uh-oh. Ed. Could have been his butt. just Could have been his butt. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, Something hairy comes up to you in the middle of the night. I, I, I kind of doubt that it's wiping its hand across your face. That's all I'm saying. Hey, unless he's looking for food and he's trying to see if you're breathing because they're smart. You know? <laughs> no, it couldn't be that. I have woken up in the middle of the night hungry. I don't do that. Oh, I do. That's awkward. <laughs> uh, this next one we have comes from Ghost Across Kentucky. Uh, that was our that was our Bigfoot section, which we're coming across a lot. Uh, this one is interesting. It's called Ghosts Plot Revenge. Ooh. There was this man and woman who had just gotten married. They moved into this house that had an 80-foot-deep water well in the backyard. I don't know why, but this man soon killed his wife and threw her in the well, then went to town to establish an alibi. The court decided that it was suicide on her part, thus the man go free. Later that night, after he got home, he heard howls and screaming from out in the yard. He went out to see what was going on. It was then that he saw the figure of a young woman jump into the well. He saw it several times after that. Later that year, he remarried. One night, his new wife heard the same screams and groans that he had been hearing. When she went out there to see what what in the world those noises were all about, the ghost of the man's first wife grabbed her rifle and threw her in the well. Now, almost every night, you can see the ghosts of both women sitting there on the well top together. Maybe they're just plotting to kill that rascal husband. <laughs> it's like the, <laughs> the Thelma and Louise of the ghost nice. world. <laughs> <laughs> I like that kind of story. Yeah, <laughs> they're still waiting on him. <laughs> like, come on, anything and now, like, Cletus. I went to the light ahead of time. They don't even know. They're just, just waiting there. Or, uh, you know, we talk about the differences of hauntings, residual versus intelligent. And who knows? They could just be residual. It could be that. <laughs> sounds intelligent waiting. to me that they're grabbing and throwing people down the well. Maybe that's just what they do all the time. <laughs> and they're just sitting there on top of the well going, come on, Cletus, come on. <laughs> they don't care who you are. If you smell like male. Going in the well. Going to- <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's who went into Mamaw's house was Cletus. Like <laughs> he's out there haunting ladies, <laughs> and the ladies are waiting for him by the well and wiping his hands across the face. Exactly. Uh, this last story I've got is another oldie but a goodie. This one comes from the Hopkinsville, Kentuckian, from November fifth, nineteen oh seven, and it says, "Ghost story: That mysterious rain at Glasgow Junction." 
Some of the Louisville Daily Papers have been exploiting under scare headlines what they termed a singular phenomena in the shape of a mysterious rainfall at Glasgow Junction, apparently coming from a clear sky. At first, the rain was confined to the locality of a certain tree, under which it was said a sensational murder had been committed some time in the past. Tourists and visitors flocked to this tree to witness the singular phenomena and listened with bated breath to the weird story of the murder. Scientists were called on to explain, but all pronounced it was a miracle beyond their ken. The little village of Glasgow Junction, Men's Hotel, and the Mammoth Cave were, incidentally, getting a big lot of free advertising. Unfortunately, however, for the daily papers and their reporters and the sensation-loving citizens, an unsophisticated farmer of the neighborhood chanced to be in the village one day and was attracted to the haunted tree by the crowd there assembled and inquired the cause of the excitement. The situation was explained to him and his attention called to the drops of water falling under or through the tree while the sun shone brightly in the clear sky. This hazy farmer had a more practical turn of mind than is good for sensational newspaper stories. He had growed up among the trees and bugs of his farm in Old Barron County and not been satisfied with the ghostly explanation given, concluded to look a little in for a sensible explanation. He soon discovered that the limbs of the enchanted tree were infested with a peculiar insect or bug which was puncturing the limbs and twigs with its sharp beak and thus allowing the sap to drop to the ground. Pointing out this explanation, he turned in disgust from the gaping and disappointed crowd, mounted his mule, and rode home. <laughs> that was news. <laughs> I know that was news. The best is that the, here's this from Hopkinsville, which later becomes the home of the most like outrageous. I am here, standing in front of the enchanted tree. It's ridiculous because, like I said, Hopkinsville becomes home to the Kentucky Goblins and the you know all the alien nonsense. They have the Green Man days and everything. And here's a story being like them city folk <laughs> keep trying to say that there's a haunted tree. <laughs> well, let me tell you, this reporter found <laughs> Jack nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he is so, so mad. A lot of, lot of stories, a lot of stories, especially ghost stories coming out. So, yeah, good times to be had in Barron County, man. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Barron, it is not. In fact, it is not a wasteland. It is filled with the it most is remarkable stories. It is filled with remarkable legends of Bigfoots and ghosts are pulling people down into wells. Slashies and, and all kinds of stuff, man. <laughs> like, there's so much cool stuff that, and like I said, I we've only touched the surface, man. I, there are so many stories. I didn't even have to like reach out to people to give me stories because they were just, I found plenty. Um, and apparently the Navy wasn't informed of any of this. N- yeah, not yet anyways. <laughs> we're waiting for them to come out. Well, well, the Ghost Force will be announced soon. <laughs> <laughs> Brad and I will be heading that up. Um, but yeah, so that that's Barron County. Thank you guys, as usual, uh, for tuning in. Uh, we love our county stories. Uh, if you guys have any legends or lores of your county, if we haven't touched yet, or even if we have, it doesn't matter, you can send those in, uh, as well as your own personal stories. We're about to get to our listener story. And did you know that you can listen to WCHQ in any county that you might be yeah. in? Yeah, it's true. What you do is you go to our website, WCHQFM.com. You can stream us live directly from the website, or there's also the downloadable mobile app 
for your smartphones or mobile devices. Absolutely. Yeah, just uh, go to your Google Play or uh, uh, Apple iTunes store. You can download, you can search WCHQ, download the app directly to your mobile devices. And right there in Barron County, you can listen to us <laughs> right there. Amen. On yeah, I'll be posting this episode on the, uh, the Urban Legends of Barron County there. Uh, but uh, one of the other things I want to say is, is that, you know, you can. There are two ways you can hear your story. You can either it'll be a part of this uh, counties. This you know if you're if it's county specific, you know, and you want to make sure that that's a part of that story. We can add it into uh, once we hit that county, or just one of our listener stories. Um, that's just a personal story. It doesn't have to take place in Kentucky. I mean, you could have been out in New Mexico when this happened. We actually had one that took place in Alaska, one of our earlier episodes. And it doesn't have to be like a big long no. epic story. I mean, it could just be a couple of yeah, a couple of couple lines. Of sentences. Yeah, we've had those as well we love those and uh sometimes we get a couple of those smaller ones and we put them together um so we have like two or three listener stories but this uh the best way to get those to us is to email those to fearscape stories at wchqfm.com go ahead and just email those to us or you can even record it on your phone if you want to hear your own voice and send us that sound link or set up a google drive whatever we want it we want it we want it want it and uh so we did have someone respond to us uh a listener named mike heathren and uh who boy he's got a cool story thanks for writing in mike yeah let's so hear your story here's mike heathren's listener story when I was a kid, my Grammy would tell stories about how she would see the ghost of her mother after she died. Her mother died when my Grammy was seven years old, giving birth to my great-uncle Pete. She says that whenever she would cry about losing her mother, that she would feel a hand on her shoulder. Most of the time when she looked, nothing was there. However, one time after her dad had yelled at her and whooped her good, she was crying and screaming out that she wished her mommy was there. She then felt that comforting hand on her shoulder, and she heard the voice say, Shh, baby, it's gonna be fine. She abruptly stopped crying because she knew that voice. She heard it clear as day. It was her mother's voice. She looked at her shoulder, and she saw a disembodied hand there, and it was her mother's hand. How did she know? Because the ring she wore. It was a gold ring with a small amethyst in it. The same ring that Grammy's dad gave her mom when they got married. It was unmistakable. From then on, she always knew her mother was always there watching over her. And any time she needed comfort, she would just think about her mother's hand on her shoulder, letting her know she'd be fine. Yeah, Yeah, buddy! Good story, good (laughs) story, Mike. Mike. That's a good one. I think, you know, that kind of fits into mine. I mean, you know, like hearing my name or whatever, but she hears... Shh, baby, it's going to be fine. <laughs> She's so, you know, I don't know if she was seven when that happened. But. Would you feel more comforted by that being, you know, say like your mother's voice or more, more like Barry White's voice? Yeah. Shh, baby, it's going to be all right. <laughs> that uh, did not sound like Barry White. That sounded like uh, Dr. Uh, what's his name from Inspector Gadget. <laughs> See, that sounds like Dr. Claw. <laughs> okay, or, well, would you feel more comfortable with Dr. Claw saying yeah. No, it'd be like, shh, baby, it's going to be fine, yeah, (laughs) oh yeah. (laughs) No, but thank you, Mike, so much. Once again, uh, we appreciate those stories. Send those in to fearscapestories at wchqfm.com. Man. 
So we've reached the end of our episode, Ed. Yeah, it feels like the end of it. It yeah. does. This is the end of our careers, too. <laughs> uh, no, uh, but Ed, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself, where you can be seen or heard and all that stuff so they can uh, be, be sure to follow you. I can't really be seen anywhere these days. You can hear me a lot at WCHQFM.com or on the radio dial 100.9. I'm on Monday through Thursday during Lunch Break Live from 11 a.m. to 1, and I'm rocking out all the best local and regional rock so be sure to tune in and rock out with your lunch out every Monday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 1, right here on WCHQ. That's right. And uh, you can find Brad and myself uh, on Sidetracked Improv. Uh, we are at the Bardstown at 1801 Bardstown Road in Louisville, Kentucky, every first Saturday of the month at 10 p.m. Ed's usually there rocking the lights and the sound for us. Yep. Uh, I also uh, teach with at an improv school called Improv 502. You can find that on Facebook. We teach classes every single Monday, so if you're interested in doing improv, and uh, we do a lot of drop-ins and level one classes and stuff like that. Those are always on Mondays. We also perform with Improv 502. Improv 502 does a different show with different performers all the time every third Saturday uh, down in the lounge at the Bardstown at 8 p.m. So there's lots of fun, cool stuff to do. Uh, Brad and I sidetracked. We do our Fearscape long form, and it's spooky and all that stuff. Uh, but, you know, aside from that... Y'all keep on chilling, all right? So uh, I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. I've been Stefan. I will catch you on the flip side. I'm Ed, and I'll see you on Monday. That's right. And uh, always remember, guys, hold those blankets extra tight. See you next time.